This podcast is generously supported by Zondervan Bibles and the NIV Biblical Theology Study Bible edited by D.A. Carson, featuring notes and articles that help you follow God's redemptive plan as it unfolds throughout Scripture. Find out more at NIVBiblicalTheologyStudyBible.com. Want to learn how to interpret and teach the entire Bible in a way that is Christ-centered and clear? Learn with us here on the Christ-Centered and Clear podcast. Nate and John Aiken here with the Christ-Centered and Clear podcast. Thank you for listening. If you're enjoying what you're hearing, please rate and review wherever you listen to your podcast. In this episode, we want to talk about the objection, won't this make all of our application the same? And so maybe I'll just ask it like this, John, and then you just you kind of answer the objection. Uh, would some say then that means every week when I preach or when I'm reading the Bible and trying to think, how does this apply? Um, the application is, well, I just need to see Jesus, and by seeing Jesus, life life transformation happens. And so my application every week when I preach this would be, hey guys, you just need to see that this culminates in Jesus and you need to believe in Jesus. What would you say to that objection? Yeah, I'd say I'd say if you if that's what you're doing is being lazy. And um, now I do think there's going to be repetition, right? In, ter- in terms of like if a husband were to come to me and say, hey, I don't want to, you know, I, I shouldn't tell my wife that I love her every day because it's going to be redundant. And I'm going to say, well, you should tell her you love her every day. Now, the way that you do it may change. You may tell her in person, you may text her, you may write her a note, you may get her some flowers, you may take her on a date. There's going to be all kinds of different ways that you're going to tell her you love her. And that's where expository preaching and reading verse by verse comes in is because we're saying each text, each story is showing us some different aspect of the life and ministry of Jesus uh, and how and then how it works out in our own lives. And so you let the text drive uh, so that that Noah is going to point to Jesus in a different way than Samson's going to point to Jesus in a different way than David's going to point to Jesus, and there's going to be all kinds of application within that. But I would answer that objection by saying uh, Peter Lightheart has argued uh, before in his First and Second Samuel commentary, and I think it's helpful that you can't if typology is not true, if there's not like a pattern that happens in the past that is then fulfilled in Jesus, if, if typology is not true, then there's no way to do application. But there's really no way to do uh, application without uh, typology because uh, then the the Bible obviously doesn't speak to our circumstances directly, okay? And so only if our life and experience has some correspondence to the life and experience of those in the Old Testament can there be application. And so uh, now Lightheart's drawing on some stuff from from other people, Hans Fry and others, and, and not to get too complicated with those names, but I mean what they're what they're arguing is that. The story of the Bible, the story of Scripture, presents to us the the one and only true story of the world. It presents to us the real world, and and then, um, and then, therefore, in any age after the Bible, our job as readers is to to read our life in the perspective of the Bible. So it's our duty to look at our own experience and evaluate um, evaluate our experience and our world by the figures of the Bible, of the biblical world, instead of the other way around. We're not evaluating the Bible based on our experience and based on our our world. We're saying, no, 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 we're going to evaluate our world and our experience based on the Bible. Okay, and that's that's a huge difference because 
if we're if we're evaluating the Bible based on our own experience, then basically the Bible has to mean what we think. Right, and it that's means. a huge danger, right? I mean, I, I talk about this often when talking about the sufficiency of the scriptures, uh, and just the, the the nature of which the scriptures are our authority, not our experiences. And and that's kind of what we're talking about when we let our experiences be our authority. That could then mean, well, you know, the Bible doesn't necessarily say that I can get a divorce for this reason, but my experience has determined that. And so I think I'm okay kind of deal. And so they, so people, I've heard that. I mean, I've heard, I've talked about this before. We know uh, pastors who have been preached faithfully about what the Bible says about divorce, even just, you know, maybe there's a couple of exceptions when it's possible. And then they have a child who gets divorced for something that's not one of those two exceptions. And suddenly they're, they're starting to preach differently and they're seeing the Bible right. differently. And so that's a little bit about what we're getting at with, with talking about application in this way. Yeah. And so the Bible gives us a set of patterns, symbols, figures by which we, make, we can evaluate our world and evaluate our own experience. And, and therefore we try to to, to bring our life and our experience into submission to the Bible. Um, and so that's what right typology is doing. Um, and so again, right, rightly done is the only way to do application is because you're, you're evaluating your life based on these figures that are being presented from the Bible. Now, one of the, the ways that this objection comes is kind of like, well, I see kind of seeing Christ in the Old Testament. It's cool. Okay. Like, I, like it's awesome, and I'm like, wow. Yeah. Man, and when I hear amazing. it, I love it, yeah. It was amazing, yeah. Samson was betrayed for silver, and in his death, you know, saved Israel and got a greater victory than he did in his life, and how that points to Jesus, and how Jesus was betrayed for silver and handed over and, and blindfolded, not blinded, and his death is how he gained his greatest victory, and, and that's awesome, that's really cool, and, and it's really cool to see how, like we talked about last uh, before, is like Joash hidden away, not killed, as a baby, then brought out, and he's the king, and he's the savior, the son of David, and how that plays out in Jesus's life is when Herod's trying to kill the babies. Like that's really cool, but I've got financial problems, I've got marital problems, I've got parental problems, I've yeah. got all these yeah. different issues I'm facing, and so what does this matter for me? Well, that's really cool. Yeah. It doesn't do anything for my life, and so Peter Lightheart says, you know, basically, should we abandon typology and this this way of reading the Bible as being about Jesus for specific counsel for specific practical counsel. And he says, no, absolutely not. Again, we evaluate our experience based on the experience of the Bible. And so this, the typology, the patterns is giving us a set of metaphors by which we can evaluate uh, our experience. And so that's what we need to do. And so he, so Lightheart talks about it this way. He says, you can't tell your congregation or you can't tell your Sunday school class or your youth group that you need to quote, dare to be a Daniel. Okay. You can't, you can't tell them to do that unless there is some correlation between Daniel's situation and the situation of the people who are hearing that. Because otherwise you're just you're 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 trying to make some kind of correspondence that's not there. But typology says that correspondence is there. And therefore you can make that. Now, we're not saying that that somehow we are the fulfillment of the pattern of Daniel. Okay, we're saying that's Jesus. Jesus is the one who who was obedient under the point of death, right? And then when the the stone was rolled away from the pit. He walked out alive uh, on the third day. Okay, so Daniel's uh, faithfulness to God to the point of death is fulfilled in Jesus. But then in Christ, empowered by the Spirit, we are to dare to be a Daniel, which means we pray and we're, we obey the Word and we're faithful, even if the government tells us not to be, right, and those kinds of things. And so there is application. And there is application that's similar to the life of Daniel, but you're, you're, you're pushing that through Christ, who is the mediator of that to us. And so... That's the only way to really do application is to say, man, that pattern of life 
that's back there in the Old Testament that's fulfilled in Jesus, now that's the pattern of life we see in our own life and how we need to seek to live faithfully uh, in our culture. That's good. So maybe, uh, so I'm convinced, give me some examples of how, how so you would, you, you might take an Old Testament text and show how you would do application. So one, how you would drive it to Christ, and then in light of that, how you would make application. So, so one way I would do it first is say, does the New Testament address this, and does the New Testament show me how to apply it? So give an example, Noah. Noah and the flood. Well, there's there's maybe two or three ways that Noah and the flood uh, gives us practical application, okay, based on that. So one would be the way Jesus uses it in Matthew 24 to talk about final judgment. So application would be final judgment's going to be like the flood. It's just going to be on you. Thief in the night, right? So Jesus says, in Noah's day, they're marrying, giving in marriage, they're just living life, and then bam, judgment comes like a thief in the night. You don't know when the thief is coming because if you did, you'd make plans to be down there and, and to, to to meet him when he comes in. You don't know when it's coming, so you need to be prepared now for judgment. So that's that's one So you're preaching Noah. That's what you're saying to your people. Yeah, I'm preaching Noah. Noah, there's going to be a judgment. Now, there is mercy through Christ. Some people are going to be saved through the judgment. That is that you? Are you ready? If not, it's time to get ready. Okay, so that's going to be one application. Um, another application is going to be... Um, uh, kind of this Noah as the as Second Peter talks about being a preacher of righteousness, and so if you are one who's a believer, if you have escaped the judgment to come, then you are to share that with other people. And even specifically, I'd get probably concrete, like, and I think Hebrews eleven deals with this first, starting with your family. Okay, Noah got his family in the boat. Noah and his family are saved. Okay, and so moms, dads, primary witness in the life of your children is you. And so, are you sharing the gospel with them? Not just are you having a Sunday school teacher do it or a preacher do it, but are you actively sharing Jesus with your children and trying to save them from the wrath to come? Okay? That's good. And then secondly, preach your righteousness to your neighbor and to your coworkers and classmates, and um, are, are you sharing the gospel with them? A third way would be baptism. First Peter corresponds baptism to, now you can talk about spiritual baptism or whatever you want to say about that, but there is some correlation between being saved through the water and then the symbol of baptism, which shows us having been raised to walk in newness of life. And so uh, one thing that I would do— Which has to mean immersion. Right, has to mean immersion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, is, have you been baptized? Okay, Have you believed, and then have you pictured union with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection through baptism? Um, and, then, and, and that would be a practical application. Uh, and so that's what—you're letting the New Testament dictate how you do that. Another one would be, you know, Hebrews 11, James 2, when it comes to Abraham and Isaac, and it's it's the testing of faith and and real faith in the promises of God, in the plan of God, is going to manifest itself in obedience, right? And so, um, what I would do though with with any of these texts, with Noah, with Abraham and Isaac, with daring to be a Daniel, with David, even with a, a David, I think there's clear application that once David defeats Goliath on behalf of the Israelites. Then they chase the, the the army that's that's you know fleeing, and they're they're fighting from victory, not for victory, from victory, and so that's so I'm going to apply that text. We do need to fight against spiritual enemies, okay, and the power of the spirit. One, now that our champion has crushed the head of the we serpent, do need to face giants. We do, but the power to be able to face down Satan and the power to be able to face down our enemies is not in us, as if it's say, well, David was brave, so you be brave. No. David was the champion, the, the Messiah figure who was anointed by the anointed, Spirit. Yeah. Now, in Christ, you're anointed by the Spirit. You have the Spirit, and you have the sword of the Spirit, and so you can wield it against the devil 
but you got to fight in Christ, not apart from Christ. Now would be a good time to hear from our sponsor. This podcast is generously supported by Zondervan Bibles and the NIV Biblical Theology Study Bible, edited by D.A. Carson. Biblical theology allows you to ponder the individual stories and themes of Scripture while observing how they all fit together in God's grand biblical narrative. That's why this unique study Bible features three articles in introducing biblical theology and 25 articles unpacking key themes of Scripture. The NIV Biblical Theology Study Bible contains detailed book introductions, 20,000 verse-by-verse study notes, 28 theologically rich articles by authors such as Tim Keller and Kevin DeYoung, hundreds of full-color photos, more than 90 maps, and over 60 charts. All of this allows readers to marvel at the big story while savoring each detail. With a focus on biblical theology and the overarching story of Scripture, the NIV Biblical Theology Study Bible helps readers follow God's redemptive plan as it unfolds throughout the Scriptures. Find out more at NIVBiblicalTheologyStudyBible.com. So if you're if you're doing David if you're doing David and Goliath you're you're probably saying to even unbelievers, hey if you don't have Jesus so if you if you're not anointed with the Spirit you actually are going to you're going to lose to Goliath it's going to essentially you will not escape uh, this enemy ultimately without being found in Christ who is our David who is our champion and then being anointed by his spirit. And and then in light of that, you can talk some about this with the temptation, but in light of that, you now have the ability to fight temptation, right. to fight enemies. Yeah, and I, so I, see, I see a parallel with the temptation narrative. Goliath's presenting himself 40 days, right? And, and then Satan's tempting Jesus 40 days. And there's the scale armor, the, the serpent imagery, and then, and then serpent in the wilderness. Uh, but the way that's often preached, uh, and Russ Moore's talked about this before, the way it's often preached is Jesus paid attention in Awana's and he fought off Satan's yeah. temptation. So you need to pay attention to Juana's. Yeah, be good at, good at sword drills. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so it's merely Jesus as an example. And we don't need an example. We need a Savior. And that's what Matthew and Luke are doing is showing how Jesus, Luke, ends with a genealogy, the son of Adam, uh, Adam, the son of God. And Luke 4, Jesus doesn't give him the temptation of, of Satan. So he's he's better than Adam. He's the new Adam. Thus he can save you. Matthew 4, he's Jesus is being presented as the new Israel who doesn't falter in the wilderness, but remains faithful to God and recognizes he doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so he's the new Israel, so he can save you. And so what you need is not an example, you need a Savior. And so, but once you are saved, and once you are indwelt by the same Spirit that Jesus indwelt with before he goes out in the wilderness after his baptism, then you can wield the sword of the Spirit and fight. So yes, you should memorize Scripture. Yes, you should hide God's Word in your heart so you may not sin against Him. The problem is, if you bypass Jesus, then then what's happening is, you know what? You can't do that. Right. And not only that, you haven't done that. So you're already guilty. Condemned. Yeah. And you're going to get more condemned. Yeah. And so you need to fight in Christ. You need to dare to to be a Daniel in Christ. You need to, you know, be a preacher of righteousness and and avoid judgment in Christ. Which is why ultimately you your argument would be if you preach the Old Testament merely as there's some moral lessons we can learn from it, you're you're setting your people up for failure. Yeah, you're you're they're, they're, the experience I, I just believe in and I think Keller and others have shown this in in gospel driven sanctification. Right. And that it's the gospel that transforms lives. The reason why I hold a grudge is not because I, I just have weak effort. The reason why I hold a grudge is because I don't believe the gospel. I don't believe uh, that the cross of Christ is enough to forgive others the sins that they've committed against me. And that's a, that's just a failure to believe the gospel. It's just the gospel that drives obedience. Pick another example. Maybe we'll close out on that. Pick another example. Show how you've pointed to Christ and, then, and, and therefore made application for your people. Yeah, I mean, there would be, I mean, there obviously there'd be any number of ones. Um, you can talk about in the, 
in the judges, for example. Uh, you see a similar thing with Ehud, as you see with David, where Ehud is the champion who saves him, and then they fight against the the Philistines. Uh, but uh, I would say in like Ehud, when he fights and kills Eglon, he does it with a double-edged blade that he calls the Word of God. Okay, and so I'd say that... That's a pretty cool name for a sword. It is a pretty <laughs> yeah. cool name. And then with Hebrews 4, I, so I would apply that again in the way that we fight. Well, of course, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, uh, but the way we fight is with the sword of the Spirit. Um, and, and that's how we fight against uh, enemies and push back darkness. And uh, So that'd be one way I would do it uh, there with um, with Ehud. What would you do with Samson? Yeah, so I think Samson is, is presented as a savior, uh, but he's a flawed savior who has both, I, I would say, lust issues and um, pride issues, and that he he gets to the point where he he doesn't depend upon the Lord, doesn't think that his strength derives from the Lord. He just he just assumes it's always going to be there, and so he he flaunts the the Delilah's efforts to get his secret right, and then and then by the fourth time he's just like, yeah, cut my hair off, and then when when the the Philistines come on him, he thinks he can fight them off just like he's done before. Uh, but the issue really wasn't his hair. It's that God had left him, right? The Lord had departed from him. And, and, he, so did, and he didn't know that. Yeah. He didn't know that. Right. And so when I'm, when I'm, when I'm preaching Samson, I'm, I'm always going to preach conviction in terms of uh, self-reliance and conviction of self-reliance that, that Samson, while he was a savior, is not the savior uh, because he's self-reliant and because he's lustful and we're lustful and we become self-reliant and we try to operate in the arm of the flesh uh, and I'll, now, obviously, I would, I would use all kinds of practical ways uh, that we do that, uh, and that's why we need Jesus. And then, and then in Jesus, right? Then, filled by the Spirit, you can fight against lust, and you can fight against self reliance, and you start to recognize, as Samson recognizes, as he's as he's weak against the pillars, that you know I need to call on the Lord because that's where my real strength comes from. Yeah, it's good. Well, thanks uh, for listening to the podcast again. Please interact with it. Find us on Twitter. Email us. Um, in the next episode, so we're gonna we're gonna look at something that's a little bit more contemporary when it comes to what we'll see is actually not all that contemporary, but something that's a little more contemporary when it comes to the Old Testament, and, and that's Andy Stanley calling for us to unhitch ourselves from the Old Testament. So we wanna we wanna talk about why that's problematic, uh, but also why we think seeing Christ in the Old Testament will help us uh, to hitch ourselves to the Old Testament in the way that's appropriate. Uh, and so we hope you'll join us for that episode. Thank you for listening to the Christ-Centered and Clear podcast. If you have questions or topics or texts you would like us to consider for future podcasts, please contact us at ChristCenteredAndClear at gmail.com. And please visit us at ChristCenteredAndClear.com for more resources.